When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Okay, welcome in to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad here on a beautiful Friday outside. It's supposed to be a nice weekend, and if you're a Vikings fan, you probably woke up this morning saying, you know what, I don't care how much that football game wasted my time because it was so ugly, because... My football squad is 6-2 and two, the Minnesota Vikings. And, uh, Judd, we have to start off first with kind of the big picture of the first half of the season and what it means to win the last four games, no matter who they were against, no matter how bad of defenses and things like that. This team went from being on the cusp of completely falling apart, having the locker room turn on each other, having coaches and players turn on each other, like what we saw and have talked about in 2016 and to some extent last year, to now being in a prime position to go into the second half of the year, get some big wins, make the playoffs, and be a legitimate contender. I think it's really interesting now that we have more of a body of work. It's not just a win against the Giants. It's now four straight wins to say they did turn this thing around. And I think we can say that based on more than the opponents, the eye test, right? Here's here's my starting point offensively. When Kubiak got the job in March, and, and we envisioned and talked about what this offense would do, those first four games you were sort of like, okay, some of this is working, but it's really not what we expected, right? Like you're not doing all of the things or you're not doing a lot of the things that we expected. And, boy, this looks, I, I think the term probably would be discombobulated. Um Starting with the Diggs meltdown then and the Giants game, these last four games, Matthew, have really looked like everything we expected except for one thing. The tight end's involvement has not been as consistent in the pass game as I thought it was going to be, but everything else has now made sense. And so I think the most impressive thing about the last four games, if you put aside whether the Vikings beat decent or bad teams, because I wouldn't say among those four games there's been a really, really good team, You win in Detroit, that's impressive. But I think the starting point of the conversation about why the Vikings should feel good about where they're at 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 6-2 and and about to enter a stretch of 
three difficult games among the next four, is this offense now is doing what we thought. And I now refer to it as the common sense offense because this is the common sense of if you put all of the pieces in the right places to succeed, they're basically functioning about as high as they all possibly can. So uh, I want to talk about that in the scheme and how much it's helped get Kirk Cousins open because I have uh, or, or in a clean pocket and get receivers open because I have some stats that are like mind blowing about Kirk Cousins throwing the football when he's got time, but. I think that there's a part of this that is really interesting, and I would love to know more about the behind-the-scenes dynamic that I thought of when I was watching Cousins and Diggs in their post-game interview. And both of them were very guarded, even with other players around them, even with Steve Smith and Michael Irvin and Joe Thomas. I think part of the allure of having former players on a set is like, yeah, these guys could be like, I know what you're going through, bro. Why don't you tell me something different? And both of them... I don't know how often they even smiled during that interview. They were kind of like straightforward, like, yeah, you know, we won another game, but we're not going to say much about it. And it was like, come on, kirky-worky, look what you did to the old team. Did they call him kirky-worky? Yes, absolutely. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. But if it had that vibe, it was like, come on, you kirkster. I know what you're talking about. What you got going, Diggsy man? And it was like... He is a kirkster. Yeah, Sure, absolutely. He probably went by the kirkster when he was in high school. Yep. But... uh so they're they're trying to be all funny and everything else, and Cousins is like, yeah, no, I'm not giving you that. And it was and Michael Irvin saying, Diggs, man, you're killing him out there. Seven catches, you're breaking Randy Moss records. And Diggs is like, yeah, I shouldn't have fumbled though. And there's a there's a a little bit of a defensiveness even toward that media, even toward state run media, if you will, uh, and even toward these other players. I think in part because after week four, Mm -hmm. the national media, not just the local media writing about, oh, there's some issues, there's a fine, there's things like that. The national media attacked the hell out of this team and attacked the hell out of Kirk Cousins. And it might have been the best thing to ever happen to the Minnesota Vikings because there seems to be after that a little bit of a defensiveness, a little bit of Terrell Owens of like, that's my quarterback. Like, even though last year the feeling in the locker room toward Kirk Cousins was not good, and a lot of players, I think, were frustrated by the way he handled his press conferences, by the way it seemed like he put himself above the team and some of his commentary and things like that, Mm -hmm. I think that even if there was that same feeling after week four of like, man, Kirk is not getting it done again, and look at the meltdown in the big game, when they got criticized from everyone else, there's there was a feeling of like defensiveness of like rallying around Kirk Cousins to be like you know what yeah he's weird sometimes and he has his deficiencies but that's our guy and we're gonna step up for him and they have actually played like that because I'm sure you've seen this a number of times in your life Judd where when a team gives up on a quarterback you can see it all over the place, especially when you look at the game tape, when you look at the shoulders slumping, you look at the arms going up in the air, when the littlest thing goes wrong, there's people hanging their heads and frustration. You can really see it when you look at the coach's tape. And in Chicago, they had that vibe. Early in the game even, even when it wasn't out of hand, even when it was close, the vibe was, oh, this again. And since then, that has not been there. And the way that they've talked to the media, it has come across as if, you know what, we either have to have this guy's back or we're all just going to lose and get traded and disappoint everybody again. Like Those are our two options, Mm -hmm. and there seems to have been a rallying around Kirk Cousins that, i got to say, I didn't 
expect. I didn't expect Stephen A. Smith to inspire the Vikings, but that's what seems to have happened. Yeah, it, it's so. There's a couple things off this. One is, I think those first four games. It's going to sound so weird now, but I think those first four games m- might be in in retrospect now, if things continue to go well, a blessing, because they showed they showed the fine line between this is when you're good. And this is when you're not good. And it's a very fine line. And I think part of the defensiveness about Kirk, too, is the fact that Kirk's a weird guy, as you said. He's sort of a quirky guy. But my understanding is players actually don't hate him at all. They like him. But they know that he's not a great player. He's a good player. And he can produce great when when given the opportunity and put in the right circumstance. But I was told that... Thielen basically volunteered to go on that podcast with Kirk that Kirk does, and the weird apology came out, and there were people who heard that and were like, okay, that's sort of weird. But Thielen and and Cousins actually are friends, and so they're like, okay, it's just fine. But then I really think the most important thing was Diggs looked at the offensive scheme probably in the spring and said, what the hell is this? And people thought, oh, he hates his quarterback, but he didn't. Um and I also I also think that there's probably a little bit of behind the scenes skittishness and quietness because I think that we know the surface of this story. When Diggs disappears, th- think about this. How often does a player like Diggs, non-contract, because it certainly does occur with contracts, how often does a player like that just go AWOL for two days? Never. Because he's pissed off about the offensive scheme? I don't remember seeing this before. I think that they're also very guarded because there's way more to, to it, and they're right if they think this is no time to talk about it, but it's just such a fine line. And really, we might come back to, at some point in time here, saying when Stefan Diggs said, see ya, it might be the best thing possible. But I do think that we probably got too caught up in in the players not liking Kirk, and the reality was I think they looked at the Falcons' game plan and said, you threw the ball 10 times, Mike. It's 2019. You're absolutely crazy. My guess is that there were some very spirited conversations behind the scenes, that there were probably some doors slammed and some people upset, and in retrospect now, it's the best thing that could have happened to the Vikings because since then, what they've done has been impressive. And guess what? They put Kirk Cousins, and this is very smart, they put Kirk Cousins in a position to succeed, and he's maximized that. Here's what I think it is with Cousins. That last year, a lot of people walked out of that building and said, man, this is the guy that's supposed to take us places, huh? Especially after the Week 17 meltdown. But there's, I mean, we talked about all of them. Different press conferences, different things that happened. Like, you can't just ignore what happened between him and Thielen on the sidelines. Yeah, they are friends, but that's not the same as getting along and winning football games, right? Out there. And in games, exactly. I always thought that Diggs and Cousins did get along well, and that was based on when they were freaking out on the sideline in Week 17, Diggs was screaming at Cousins to trust him and throw him the ball more and take those risks and... They were really insisting that Cousins throw into double coverage when Diggs is around. Like, the throw last night down the sideline is an unreal throw. It's an unreal catch. And he takes a big hit after he hangs onto the ball. I mean, we'll get into Diggs. Uh, number one wide receiver. It's okay. You can say it. Uh, I know after he fumbled, I got some people who were like, uh, see, he's no Thielen. Uh, yeah, no, he's not. He's better. But anyway... <laughs> Um, so, uh, aside, but aside, aside from that point, um, I think he rubbed people the wrong way uh-huh. last year. 
But this whole offseason, having his guy, his former quarterback coach Kevin Stefanski as his offensive coordinator, I think helps a lot. Having Gary Kubiak, who has run an offense that a lot of people have copied and built upon, which now Stefanski doing, has helped a lot. I also think it helps a lot to just know what you're dealing with. I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say that you are friends with someone and you sort of are just getting to know them. You hang out a few times and they show up to wherever uh, you guys are going to go to a ball game and they show up in the second inning and you're like, dude, why didn't you answer any of my phone calls or whatever? Like you just kind of left me hanging there. And the person's like, Oh, I don't know. That's just me. I guess you'd be mad at first. You'd be like, what is with this guy? Right. But then you see the, you like things about the the friend or whatever, and then you go to another ball game and they do it again. You're like, oh, they just they just have these quirks, mm-hmm. like they're just a weird guy in some ways, like you said about cousins, or there are just things that this person does that that's their personality, but they have enough strengths where let's try to make sure we do things and hang out and whatever that kind of work to that person's strengths, or not get too mad about the weaknesses, not get too upset about his long rambly press conferences or things that seem to implicate other players, which I think, by the way, he has gotten a thousand times better. I agree with that. He's way better. And you know what? I know that uh, Royce and you made fun of him for sort of the way he handled the post-game Chicago, post-game Green Bay of woe is Kirk. Way better, though. Way better to come out and say, hey, that's on me. I I can't throw that ball. I need to throw that ball out of bounds. Way better. It goes over way better in the locker room to say, hey, Thielen, I'm sorry, buddy, than it does to say, well, I went through my progressions and found my guy, and I don't know what you guys are talking about. I think that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Now, all these things are going to be tested eventually because Mm -hmm. what we've found in our travels, Judd, as reporters, is in 2016, the locker room was in flames. And then in 2017, it's the best locker room that's ever happened. I've never seen anything like it. Brian Robinson said he'd never seen anything like it, and he was in the NFL for a decade. Just best locker room ever. These things can change on a dime. Last year, I think the team was very happy with itself internally at times when they beat the Jets, when they beat the Lions, things like that last year. And then when they were tested, they failed those tests. I do think that they, because of this attitude of sort of rallying around the quarterback, having this defensive attitude about him now, and the system, and the talent, they've put a lot more. B.C. Johnson did his job last night, mm-hmm. filling in for Adam Thielen. We would not have expected that last year for any receiver to be able to fill in for Adam Thielen. I think they're just much more prepared. They have much stronger shields up now to defend against things that go wrong than they did last year. And I would suspect, based on what we've seen through an eight-game sample, that they're not going to win every game, Kansas City, Dallas, Seattle. But I think we've seen that they can bounce back from losses that happen. And I think that, that we've seen enough to say they are set up to be able to beat these teams. And they're doing things now that, to me, make sense. And and a year ago, at least offensively, a lot of times they, they didn't. But let's unpack Kirk for just a second here, okay? Let's open the suitcase of Kirk Cousins and unpack Kirk. So a guy like Diggs sees the ability that Kirk has. And I don't think that there's any denying the God-given physical ability that this man has to throw a football. His deep passes are gorgeous. They're really, really good. The last two games, he has hit Diggs, and Diggs is great. And Diggs has made great catches, but those are great throws too, right? So you see that, and to your point about your story in practice, 
you see him not trust you, and you're like, no, if you just trust me, and by the way, trust yourself, too. I'm empowering you, because if you, if, if you make that throw 99 times, I'll catch it. The second thing is, and, and this is the factor that we didn't see previously, but now have the last four games seen, is having a coaching staff that can maximize that ability and also trust Kirk. When you throw the ball 12 times against the Falcons, guess what? You don't trust Kirk. So now, in unpacking Cousins, guys like Diggs and Thielen and Dalvin Cook see it, and now Kubiak and Stefanski take advantage of that. And as far as the -the off-the-field podium stuff, the difference I've seen in Kirk since the Giants game is this. The stuff at the podium that Patrick and I mocked after the uh, Green Bay game and after the preseason game against uh, the Cardinals was this sort of, as you said, woe is me. I'm sorry, I've got to do this, I've got to be... Have you noticed since the Giants game, and listen, Kirk is never going to be an arrogant SOB, but he is much more, I think the right word is defiant, sort of? Yes, I agree. Like, he's not answering your question directly. He's not saying... He's basically saying what he wants to say, and then that's it. Now, for a quote, is that the greatest? Probably not. But if I'm a coach or a teammate, I don't care. I'm really happy. And it's sort of this, like last night... I pressed him. I tried to get him to say, beating Washington was really great. You know, game's done now. I'm not going to see them for how long now. This was great. And he wouldn't go near it. And it was sort of defiant, but I appreciated that. If I am Zimmer or Stefanski or Kubiak or Diggs or Thielen or an offensive player, I like that. Because there's no reason to give me what I want, and Kirk didn't do it. So in unpacking Kirk, I think that this whole thing goes also as far as a strategy of figuring out how to maximize him the best way possible. And it seems like if we're not there, it seems like we are going down that road. And a year ago, we were nowhere near the road. You know what I think happened was after the Chicago game, the criticism was so harsh. And the criticism of his apology was so harsh, which, again, to me was always, is this really a big story? I mean, is it so big that ESPN's get up should be yelling and screaming over him I think it's a little contrived. Stephen A. Smith's about to sign a multi-million dollar contract, so you might want to rethink your takes. But, but like, I understood people saying, like, oh, this is contrived. Like, all right, yeah, sure, whatever. But I also don't care about it at all. Like, it doesn't really mean anything. Like, oh, yeah, it's sort of Kirk doing a Kirk thing and, you know, whatever. But you also know Kirk. That, right, like that's they true. don't. That's true. They they know quarterbacks. Right, and they and they those guys came out like Ryan Clark and and other hosts uh, and just went berserk how dare you apologize to your receiver what are you doing keep that stuff behind closed doors and this shows that kirk is this and this and this and this and i think that that touched a nerve a different kind of nerve and i had this i don't know i don't want to say directly like exactly said to me behind the scenes but like kind of um intimated i guess that it really touched a nerve with him and with other people in there that they got attacked so badly over something really kind of inane i mean like what what does it really matter that he's doing this but if there's a defiance in cousins i think that that's why they're like okay all right, we were 2-2, two and two. we lost to the Bears in Chicago, as some teams do sometimes. Not right. Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints. Oh, sorry. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it does happen, right, that you go to Chicago and lose, especially this franchise. And they felt like 2-2 two and two has been a record that they've had almost every year under Zimmer, and sometimes they've gone to the NFC Championship, and other times things have gone wrong. Like, it's not the panic time, it's not the time to be going completely nuts on the quarterback and everything else, but the outside world was declaring his contract a bust and everything else. And I think 
that that really upset them. And uh, not just Cousins, but also Adam Thielen and, and other players behind the scenes and the organization. Like, wait a minute. Okay, this is this is too far. And that's where I think that that comes from with Cousins, where he has had a little more edginess to him, which is he's not being like Baker Mayfield he's or something. He's a little more defiant, which right. I, I love it. But, uh, right, a little, be. a little more attitude to him, yeah. which I think was, was necessary here. And then you combine that Absolutely. with all the other circumstances that are going his way. And this, is, this goes back to, and I see this every time, every time he has a good game, everyone criticized him last year. Look at you now. It's like... Like I I get you, and that's fine. Like if you're a fan, you're like, yeah, I rooted for him, and whatever else. So screw everybody. I get that. People take out their rage with sports way too often online. But um, when they signed him, we said the difficult part about signing a guy to a contract this big is being able to keep all the pieces around him, Mm -hmm. and being able to have a, a a team and a setup that is good enough consistently for him to give you a chance to win the Super Bowl over these three years. And they have found a way to do that. Thielen did not hold out. He just signed an extension. Diggs didn't leave in free agency. He just signed an extension. You were able to add at least a reasonable player at right guard in Josh Klein as opposed to what you had last year. I'm not saying he's good. I'm saying he's an NFL player. You were able to bring in a scheme that was the Kirk Cousins scheme. They should not name it the Shanahan or the Kubiak or the McVeigh. They should name it the Kirk because this thing has made Kirk Cousins' career. And so now that they have those things in place, you're seeing what the Vikings saw when they looked at all of his tape through 2015 and 16, all the strengths that were pushed up. Now, if things go wrong, then we may see more of the weaknesses from Cousins or when they play the harder teams. So we'll continue the discussion when we return. But I want to make the case for Stefan Diggs as the first-half MVP of the Minnesota Vikings when we return Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, this is Purple Daily. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again... That's northmemorial.com slash family. All right, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad on a beautiful Friday. Um, a good question before we get into the MVP thing from Chad on Twitter. Sure. Are the Vikings changing from a defensive team to an offensive team? Well, the screeching you just heard came from TCO Performance Center in the head coach's office. Chad, how dare you? Um, in my opinion, no, that's premature. I think what they have become is, is an offensive team now where where they can more than hold up their end of the bargain, and they've got some nice players, and they've got a scheme. But I would say 
eight games in, if you were to ask me what's the foundation of this team, and granted it's the past defense has been shaky at times, especially, I thought, against Matthew Stafford and the Lions, but I would still say that the identity that this team would go with is defense right now. I'm going to give you a number here, and it's a little concerning through one half of the season. I know where you If you want to be a defensive team. Well, I don't, I don't know if you know exactly where I'm going, but the Vikings right now are 13th yep. in passing defense expected points added, but I'll, I'll give you the number I know you want in a second. And they are allowing a quarterback rating of 91.3, which is, let me sort, give me a second, I'll get there. That is 18th, 18th in the NFL. They are 18th, basically, against the pass in the numbers that tell you stuff. That is not a Mike Zimmer defense that we've seen in the past, but I also don't think that's going to change because, now I will give it to you, Xavier Rhodes ranks 71st of 82 cornerbacks in terms of quarterback rating when throwing into his coverage. And if Mike Zimmer is not going to bench him, this is going to continue. If Pat Mahomes plays, Russell Wilson will play at his home building. Dak Prescott Prescott, with his left tackle back. Can we talk about this for a second? Because I am... Mike, and I know people think that Zimmer's a crusty old football coach, right? And he doesn't care, and he'll bench people and blah, blah, blah. But Mike Zimmer is incredibly loyal to some players, and he developed Rhodes. Matthew, at what point in time in covering him and Rhodes for a long time now, what do you think needs to happen to, and I am not suggesting that Rhodes doesn't play again, so I'm not suggesting he be inactive. But at what point in time here do we flip it so his snap count goes down and, and you know, clearly... Zimmer's post-game comments after the Washington win, he was defending Rhodes, he was questioning a P.I. that was clearly a D.P.I. When do you think somebody either gets to Mike or Mike sits down and watches film and says, okay, hold on, it's just not there now? And uh, Mike was asked again today more questions about Xavier Rhodes and really had no answers specifically for what needs to change he does not seem to see Xavier Rhodes with the same eyes as us, which I think there's a, a, a parent-child comparison here where, yep. like, just, you know, when it's uh, mom and dad in the stands watching little Billy play hockey, and little Billy's not the best skater out there, but he tries real hard, and they think he should be on the first line, and they think he should be getting power play time because he's a great kid, and he works real hard, and they love him. That is what we have with Xavier Rhodes and Mike Zimmer. And you know what? I Here's where I respect it. When you work that hard with someone, as Mike Zimmer did, to develop them into a Pro Bowl player who signs a $70 million contract, that's got to feel pretty damn good. And I bet it takes a long time to admit that it's not working anymore, but it's not working anymore. I mean, you don't have have that luxury, though. This is a business decision made in season of a 6-2 and team that has real potential right now, right? Yes. Like, this probably makes Mike a better guy than than we all probably think as a person. Mike has empathy. Mike looks at guys. I think Mike is I think Mike tries to, to come off as being stern and grumpy because Mike is in some ways a softy, especially towards players he likes. But my God, you've got ten days now for somebody to get to get to Mike and say, Mike, we can't know. When we come back against KC and we're probably going to be as you just said, playing Patrick Mahomes, we can't just go, Xavier, go out there and be and defend. You're gonna be fine. He's not fine. And I don't know if it has to come from Mike, if it has to come from Rick, if it has to come from somebody to tell Mike it can't stay the same. Like he doesn't, Xavier Rhodes does not pass the Matthew Collar or Judd Zolgad eye test. Or the pro football focus eye test yeah. either. So yeah. this isn't that difficult of discussion. It's difficult because Mike loves the kid and I get that. 
but you've got to say this can't keep up in this direction because eventually, guess what? You're, you're going to be playing a tight Monday night game in Seattle, and Russell Wilson's going to go after Rhodes because Case Keenum went after Rhodes. Right. And he's going to succeed. And he's going to either grab somebody or he's going to fall down because that hip is bad and something's going to happen and you're going to lose by seven points because of that. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I think in this case, Mike Zimmer's greatest strengths as a person are also his greatest weaknesses here because I've always said and will say no matter what, whenever anyone asks me for the rest of my life, what did you think of Mike Zimmer? I will say he is the only football coach I ever met who could not lie. Or when he did, it was so obvious he was lying that it wasn't a lie anyway, right? And the other thing is that he also is very loyal to these players. He's got certain guys that he is extremely loyal to, and I'll give you a comparison here. Chad Greenway was still getting on the field a lot in 2015 and 2016 when Chad Greenway did not have the fastball anymore. And Greenway had a great career as a Viking. I mean, he is one of the players you think of for an entire era where you're like, yeah, the, the, the guys I think of are Peterson and Greenway and, you know, whoever else, right? But at the end, he had loyalty to Chad Greenway because he was a veteran leader and all those types of things, and he could trust him. But other teams looked at him on the field and went, oh, boy, we can attack him with the passing game, and that they did, especially um, the game that got referenced quite a bit last week. Uh, this last week was in Indianapolis where they – specifically just went after Greenway every time they could. And that's what they're doing with Xavier Rhodes. And it's the same sort of loyalty of like continuing to put someone out there who is, the, is still a NFL player but does not quite have the fastball that they used to and can be now a liability. And that is what Xavier Rhodes has been through the first half of the season. Now, it wouldn't be the first time ever I've seen someone turn it around if he had a good second half, but with the injuries and how slow he looks, it's just really hard to see that happening. And I, I think Mike's belief in him is costing him at this moment. And Mike Hughes might have some growing pains along the way, but he's got the burst. He's got the acceleration. Exactly. He's right. got the potential. Rhodes is... We've been seeing this decline now for how long? A year plus, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, three years ago, two years ago, he was fantastic. I would go last to, year um, though. Los he was Angeles, declining. okay. In, so, in Los Angeles, I thought that it was very clear. So this is not a two-game sample size of two games in four days. Oh my God, he's falling apart. This is this is a penalty problem, and and that's the other problem too. And I'm sure that this infuriates Rhodes and Mike Zimmer. But the reality is. Rhodes came up and got called for a ton of penalties because, as Mike said last night, he's a power forward. He's got to play like that. Well, as a rookie, guess what? They threw flags constantly. And then Rhodes got so damn good that they're like, okay, it's Xavier Rhodes. We're not going to throw a flag. And now we're back to, one, they have no idea what a DPI is, so they just throw the flag. Right. And, two, he doesn't have that respect now. And and they can whine and moan all they want about that. But the reality is if you're getting seven penalties in eight games and most of them are DPIs, you got a problem. How much do you think Mike knows about basketball? Not much. Not much. Oh, <laughs> no, I think I, if you were to Because I couldn't figure that out. I was like, power forward. He's saying because he's big. He's saying oh, yeah, like well, a power forward yeah. like bullies his way to the basket. That's what he's trying to say. Uh, and, but it doesn't matter. You can't. Okay. If you're not good enough to bully. The only way. <laughs> yes. Rhodes got away with that for about two or three years because he was so damn good that his reputation was, well, he's going to do it, but we're going to allow him. But th that's gone now, and that's not coming back. We're not going to see a second half where the officials are like, 29 in Minnesota, don't throw that flag.
he's always been toward the top of the league in penalties. It, we just didn't notice it when he was a shutdown corner and he wasn't being thrown at as much. He's second right now in the NFL it's, oh, yeah, in, yeah. in penalties. Yep. Um, so, all right. Well, I if, I don't know if this is getting solved. I think it's going to stay there. And And so the answer to Chad's question is yes. They actually have to be an offensive team and not a defensive team. They have to go to Kansas City, and if Mahomes plays, they're going to have to outscore them. They're not going to shut down Kansas City's offense. This is just not going to happen anymore. Like The thing that used to happen where nobody could pass against them, it's not going to happen anymore. And so you're going to have to have explosive plays on offense. You're going to have to rank toward the top of the league on offense to be a legitimately competitive team because I don't see, when you have the teams that are coming up, and a lot of it does depend on Mahomes, but you got to face Rodgers again. You got to face Wilson at very least. You got to face Prescott in his building with his left tackle back. And if you right now through this first half of the season without a murderer's row of quarterbacks that you faced overall, Stafford's good. Rodgers is good. Yep. Um, but without a murderer's row necessarily, and you are ranking 18th in quarterback rating against, that tells me that this is not going to change much. It's not going to massively improve. You're going to have to outscore people, and it's a weird feeling. Well, if that's the case, then, in three of the next four games, I think you're about to get your comeuppance because I don't know that you're going to be successful there. You can put a lot on these guys offensively the way they're going right now, and they've been a pleasant surprise, and the turnaround's been fun. But three of these next four games, if your calling card is completely abandoned you, I think you're in big trouble. Oh, see, I, I think you're I in think trouble. That, I Dallas think that they could score. I think that they could score with these teams. It really depends. Right, but on... if you're going to score with, but but I'm saying if you're going against these quarterbacks and you're like, I'll I'll match you, I'll match you, I'll match you, and you're talking about Russell Wilson and in Dallas, which is tough, and Mahomes, I think you lose games like um, a basketball team would, where where you're like, yeah, let's just shoot threes. Oh, we're playing the Golden State Warriors circa 2015. That was a bad idea. But I do think you're going to have to adjust to thinking that your offense, because mm. all the numbers point this way, can match up with these teams. Seattle doesn't have the defense they used to. Kansas City doesn't have a great defense. The Dallas Cowboys do, and that'll be a great test for them. Green Bay, Chicago, they do. It'll be interesting. I don't think Chicago, even if they're in the bad spot toward the end of the season, rolls over for the Vikings and says, yeah, go to the playoffs. So the, Kirk and this offense is going to be tested. They have everything in place. They've got the system. They've got the players. And we're going to get to Delvin and Stephon Diggs. But they've got everything in place for Cousins to beat these other quarterbacks. Russell Wilson is doing what he's doing on Russell Wilson's unreal talent, not necessarily supporting cast. Yep. Especially not offensive coordinator, because I don't think they have a good one in Seattle. Dak Prescott is much more in the Kirk Cousins realm of if he's got everything going right, he's great. If he doesn't, he's okay. More of a 500 quarterback, but can be great when he's got a lot going on for him, which this year at times he has. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes can take you from average to unbelievable uh, or good to uh, you know all-time good. Uh, when he's playing, and, and I still don't know if whether he's going to play or not. That's my uh, question. Right, and, and whether he'll be able to move around. Right. They don't have a good offensive line. That right. one, I think they win either way. But my point is just that you're going to have to adapt your brain, and if the Vikings are going to have a great season this year, if they're yep. going to go 13-3 and or they're going to go 12-4, and then what we're going to have to see is Kirk Cousins just not choke because they have everything there for them to be that good on that offense. Mm-hmm. Your defense, though, has to, has to improve, and you've got 10 days now. And this is why I'm saying you can't just come back with Rhodes and say it's going to be fine because it, it's not. The pass defense the past two games to me has looked definitely off. I, I think Detroit found something. 
that they exploited. Stafford's a good quarterback. They played well because Waynes, Hughes, and Rhodes, all three of those guys in that game didn't look great. Not trying to say that they're going to be a top three defense here, but I think in the next 10 days, and especially the players being off until Monday, Zimmer needs to come back with a plan, a scheme plan, some adjustments. Because if you tell this offense, it's not that they can't score, but if you tell this offense, hey, we're facing Mahomes, we're facing Wilson, we're facing Prescott in Dallas, go to it and win for us, I think that becomes a big ask. Because we need to keep in mind, these past four games, look who you've beat. And I'm not trying to denigrate the wins, and I'm not saying that th- that some of these wins aren't impressive, but these are games where you do say to yourself, I'm not completely shocked. Now you're turning a corner. Three of these next four are big-time games, and I think this team has to have a defense that is definitely that you watch and say, okay, that might not be top three, but it's definitely five or six. And if you don't, oh, boy, I don't like shootouts, not for this team. Not not the ask that that's going to be because I think it might take things up a step too much. All right, if this is a postseason, you know, real playoff team. I teased before this segment that we were going to talk about Diggs and Cook, and we didn't. So let's do that when we come back. And I have um, a very interesting we're fight. I thought. What's that? I thought we were going to fight. About oh, uh, yeah, sure. If you want to, yeah, I'd be more. Fun. Um, and also a couple of statistics that I've got for you that are really interesting about Kirk Cousins and the offensive line's improvement slash scheme and the impact that it's had on this Vikings offense. So we'll talk about it when we come back. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolget on Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download for this hour. Brought to you by the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Listen to Score North with Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, open Score North. And you'll hear the soothing sounds of Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd with Rami, and much, much more. Just say, Alexa, open score north. Vikings fans, a win last night sets your Vikings up to 6-2 and two at the halfway point through the regular season. Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter, what your feelings are on your Vikings squad heading into the back half of the schedule, the 2019 schedule. Let us know over at Score North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, final segment here with Judd Zolgad. Myron Metcalf of ESPN comes in next. And all right, let's not mess up the tease again. I have a tendency to do that. Diggs and Cook, which player has been more valuable to the Minnesota Vikings this year? I will let you go first, Judd, and present your case. Okay, well, first of all, I'd like to say on the field, I think the most important person in this offense, and I realize that if Cousins gets hurt and Mannion comes in, you're screwed. But I think if I was to have an offensive marquee, come see the Minnesota Vikings tonight. And this was put up in Kansas City or Dallas or Seattle. Dalvin Cook would be atop my marquee because I think a lot of their success in a lot of different areas comes from the fact that 33 is such um, is such a dynamic player. I think he, he sets up play action. And I know I've heard the last few years from people that say, I'll play action. Ah, that's, that's an old football thing. No, I think if you've got a star running back, it, it absolutely works and it helps 
the passing game immensely. It helps guys like Stefan Diggs. Dalvin can drop the ball, and, and we saw another drop last night against Washington. And Dalvin, please just stop and watch the ball into your hands and then run. But he can also catch passes. He Great can, advice, Judd. He can block. Well, he didn't do that last night. No, he basically I know. He tried started catch, running. He was he running. Just yep. stop and catch the ball because you're good. Um, He'll try harder next time. Dalvin Cook, though, is in a lot of different areas a dynamic player. So he is atop my Vikings marquee as far as if there is a straw that stirs the Vikings drink, Dalvin Cook. Okay, and and I think that's a good case because you do see on tape defenses putting so much attention toward him, but there's also some cheat codes in there that are less recognizable, and one of those cheat codes is Irv Smith. Two tight end sets, bringing in extra linebackers, and teams are just moths to flame with this. Like Alex Boone did a great job of breaking this down on the show, but it blows my mind how they're like, oh, a tight end, we better put in a linebacker, and we better all get up to the line of scrimmage, or I don't know what will happen. And actually, I want to give Washington a little bit of credit. They don't have enough talent to shut down the Vikings, but they did a much better job schematically for a lot of that game than other teams they faced. How dumb is Jim Schwartz? Oh, um, now I think tremendously dumb. Like, okay, thank um, you. Because that Philadelphia defensive... It was a disaster. Yes, thank you. And and here's the thing, though. Anytime you hear a coach say, well, look, we're going to stop Delvin Cook and force Kirk to beat us. I said this to you after that game. Yeah. I said, you know what the Minnesota Vikings do inside their room? They pop champagne and say, great win, guys. We're going to crush this team. Because if you put three linebackers on the field, which the Eagles did for almost every play in that game, and you... Like bum rush Delvin Cook as soon as the Vikings show a little bit of run with two tight ends in the game, you are going to lose because receivers are going to be open and freaking newsflash here, Kirk Cousins can throw the ball. Like this isn't Marcus Mariota we're talking about or Mitch Trubisky. Like I do I not understand that. Like I, and look, Delvin is unreal, untackleable, one of the most untackleable players I think I've ever seen. Someone compared him to Priest Holmes. I love that comparison. Hmm. Like the, like not the hugest guy or anything, but just heavy behind the pads, if you will, hard to tackle, shifty make enough. Miss too. Make you miss, can do enough. Yeah, has oh. the combination of power and the ability to make you miss. Uh, unreal talent. I totally understand why they want to focus on that unreal talent, but it's opening up everything for Cousins, and the Vikings are just cheering. And actually, when I noticed Washington came out and they had two deep safeties on a couple of the plays early in the game and the Vikings kind of looked like oh oh uh what do we do here like we can't because when you get that look you can't use the bootlegs the same way because you have safeties on each side of the field and the whole deal is you put the single high safety in a conflict with those deep crossers and with a go route so the crosser comes by and if the safety steps up you throw it behind him if the safety stays back you throw it underneath him it's like we'll always work in football try it out in the street and in your flag football league folks it'll work and uh but when Washington came out with the two safeties, like, oh, okay. So they actually were paying attention right. to what worked against some of these other teams. And I think that that's why, and even Diggs on the play down the sideline had to make a great play to get an explosive play. He wasn't wide open. He had to make a great play. I think that if teams start to do that a little more, then you will see you know, Cook continue to succeed, but the offense struggle a little bit more. Now, that's not a case against Delvin Cook. It's just to say that that's been his value over the first half is how much attention he draws. At this point, he's so dangerous, you don't even have to hand him the ball. 
He just has to be there. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So, and that's why he tops my, my marquee because of that. And I get that. But let me throw some stuff at you about Stephon Diggs. Okay. He, right now, among receivers who have actually been targeted, let's see, enough times, uh, let's say at least 38 times, right. Stephon Diggs is number two in the NFL in yards per reception. Only DK Metcalf is higher, and Metcalf has um, only 20 catches to Diggs' is 37. So the average throw to Stephon Diggs is almost a 20-yard play, which is an explosive play. And that's the average throw that's gone to Diggs. And here's the other part, too. When Adam Thielen goes down, how many teams in the NFL could handle their number one wide receiver, allegedly, going down? I, it's a 1A, 1B. I, I don't mean to disparage Thielen. He's unbelievable. He's a pro bowler. He's a great player. They're the Beatles. They're John and Paul. Yes. And with Diggs, though, let, okay, let's stick with that comparison. Paul McCartney could play multiple instruments, songwriter, better singer than a lot of the other Beatles, right? Like, objectively speaking, if you're comparing their skills, one is more versatile than some of the others. Yeah, John was not as versatile for sure. That's what we've got going on here. The fact that Stephon Diggs can play slot receiver and beat anyone. He can play outside receiver and beat anyone. Stephon's going to wings? He can can average. No, he's not going to wings. And he's not going to have that haircut that uh, Paul McCartney still has. And he's not going to write the late 80s Paul McCartney music either. Thank God for that. that. He's never going to have that era. But (laughs) my my point is the versatility of Stephon Diggs, he can win any way. Last year, he's a quick route guy, and he gets 100 catches, and he's a borderline pro bowler. This year, he's a deep receiver, and he's dominating. He is Antonio Brown without as much crazy. That's that's his skill set. It always has been. There have been executives. There have been people inside the Vikings building who have said, look, the guy can do all the things that any other number one receiver can in this league. The Hopkins, the Brown, maybe not quite Julio Jones, but all these other top receivers. Mm -hmm. He's just splitting his time with Adam Thielen, and he has shown that over the last few games. And it's the big plays from Stephon Diggs that have driven this offensive success over the last four weeks and the running game. But if you don't throw it deep down the field like that, I don't think you're having quite the success with Cook. I th- I think philosophically, both, yeah, philosophically, I think yeah. the pass sets up the run in good offenses. The thing with Diggs too is okay. I will give Diggs an award for the first half of the season. How about this? He is the executive of the year for the Vikings because his disappearance might turn out to be the greatest thing that could have happened because. He's the one who clearly called BS, and he was right to. He was exactly right to. And I think he saw. I think he sat down with this, with this playbook and the game plan, the scheme, and said, "Oh, okay, yeah, I like some things here, but what are you guys doing?" And they finally said, after four games, when he said, "Okay, I'm putting my foot down now," you're right. You're exactly right. Executive his, of the year, Stephon Diggs. His stats first four. What games. about offensive coordinator of the year? The whole thing. Could Give he the be the thing. hot coordinator that gets head coaching offers? He's going to Atlanta. Washington's going to call. Stefan Diggs, first four games before he went AWOL, 19 targets, 13 receptions, 209 yards, and one touchdown. Eh, whatever, right? Since he came back, four games, so it's apples to apples. 30 targets, 24 receptions, so 11 more catches, 496 yards, and three touchdowns. And so, yeah, it's hard to... This is the thing. Okay, so here's the... Here's the interesting thing to me about the last four games and, and about how this offense now works. To me, Stefan Diggs is a superstar, right? It's a star There's player. No question about it. Dalvin Cook is a star player. No question about it. Both both are, are superstars. And, Absolutely. And what they've done is 
and this is what they failed to do previous in the um, in the twenty games that Cousins started before these last four as a Viking. They have put Cousins in almost a, and I do not say this to denigrate Kirk at all. They've almost put him in the perfect point guard role of yes. You've got here are your marquee pieces. You're important. But these are the pieces that you you are an old school point guard. We want you to bring the ball down Rod the floor. Strickland Cousins. Do not put it up. Do not shoot. Ricky Rubio it. Find everybody. Yeah. Look at all of these things. And it's like the last four games, a light went off, and they're like, oh, this is how it should work. Yes, get it to the playmakers. I mean, this, it's funny how a lot of the things that John Filippo said, he just didn't really follow up on. And the screen passes last night. Uh, you know how I don't cry, Judd? I'm not a crier. No, you never cry. When I see a good screen pass executed... You shed a tear? I get a little misty. I mean, awesome. it's something I've been writing about and calling for for two years. So, yeah, it's like, oh, look, they did it. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, They finally did the, the screen with Delvin Cook yep. that they should have been doing that Pat Shermer had so much success with Jarek McKinnon. And, and it just speaks to everything playing off each other. And if you're talking about which one's more valuable, Diggs or Cook... Just by how football works, it's the wide receiver who can average 19 yards catch. Like that's, you can prove that expected points added, whatever way you want to look at it. But that does not take away from a running back who can turn a two yard screen into a 31 yard play yeah. by looking. It looked like a movie. It looked like Air, like Air Bud Golden Receiver when Air Bud is running around and all the kids are trying to Absolutely. tackle Robert him. Cook will love the comparison. Absolutely. Absolutely. But he is now, a position. No, but, but doesn't it look like a gag? Like it looks, well, Washington it, it looked looks like, like a joke on that play, it, but good for him. It looks like a movie when the, they're like trying he, to tackle him and they keep falling down. But to, to uh, keep up the basketball comparison, Dalvin Cook is a position player absolutely like you yeah. could strip the title off him and just be like this is dalvin cook offensive football player yep and you'd be like oh he can line up outside oh yeah he could do that he can line up in, in the backfield oh yeah he can do that he's and a positionless player this is exactly why and this is this is the point i'll wrap up your hour with judd before Myron metcalf gets in here this is why the expectation for this team should be set after these last four games at the nfc championship game or beyond okay very quickly though how about Very that for quick. a hot take to leave you with for the weekend, okay, Zolgad? Three of the next four, though. Aren't you dying to see these games oh, now? Oh, yes, absolutely. Like, this is because I'm still not over Green Bay completely. Like, these last four are impressive. I like them. They, you've taken some great, but man, three of the next four now just run you right through the grinder. I'm so conflicted about Patrick Mahomes because, like, his knee, but I'm also going and, like, I want to see that. As, so. a, as a fan of the sport, I want to see him play, but I'm also. Don't rush him. Don't do something stupid. Yep. yep. And if it has to be Matt Moore, it does. I don't want to see the kid get hurt, that's for sure. Okay, well, I'm going to throw my hot take there at the end of our segment uh, to Myron Metcalf from ESPN. I when we return... Shows the same restraint I did. Myron, he loves a good take. So uh, we'll be... He, Myron, a couple weeks ago, this is where football is hilarious because it could change so much. Myron said the other day, um, like a couple weeks ago, if they go into New York and lose, someone's fired. I'm like... Well, wow. Bo- yeah. Boone said yeah. Zim would be fired. Yeah, that's right. Everyone's on the cusp of being fired, and now we're talking about NFC Championship game at MVPs. work. So this is how it works, man. This is football. All right, Myron Metcalf, ESPN, coming up next. You are listening to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. <laughs> it's Purple Daily. 
All right, welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar and now stepping into the co-host chair from ESPN. We do this every Friday. Myron Metcalf. What is going on, Myron? Now, let me let me guess what you looked like last night watching that game. You were probably standing up off your couch, <laughs> right up next to the TV, every moment of it, shaking your fist, saying, oh, what, a, what a great play, another great play, another great play. What, this is the most incredible football I've ever seen here yeah. on Thursday night. Was that yeah, close? I was like, Man, more field goals. This is amazing. <laughs> this is exactly the kind Penalty of football. flags. Whoa. Yeah, I, I, that was a... Uh, you got to be a real football fan, I think, to 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 enjoy that, man. It wasn't always pretty, but I also think two things that I I never trust. Two things I don't trust when it comes to the NFL: games in London. Yep. Because you cannot simulate that week. I mean, you can't simulate the travel, the new environment. So I don't care who you are. You go to London, weird things can happen. And then Thursday night games, you cannot practice this week if you're the Viking. Like no one really went through a real practice. Uh, you're trying to avoid injuries. You've already had a couple guys get banged up. You're just trying to get out of it, you know, safely and then get the win. So the the ugliness of the game didn't surprise me as much because I, I never count on Thursday and London London games to feel normal. Not only did it not surprise, but also did not concern outside of Xavier Rhodes, which we can talk about um, yeah. as as we go forward here, and Mike Zimmer's loyalty to him. Um, but when things go wrong on a Thursday night, especially schematically where it didn't have the same explosive type of level, which I really do wonder if other teams will look at what Washington did and say, you know what, with more talented players, we could actually make this work. I thought that they were much more in the ballpark of Green Bay of we're not going to let Kirk Cousins just roll out on us all mm-hmm. the time and find receivers down the field because he's sitting in the pocket for four or five seconds. And that's why I think we didn't see a lot of the bootlegs like we did before, that they were playing two high safeties and sort of saying, you know what, okay, do the run thing against us. Try to win with the run, which they can, yeah. but early in the game they didn't. They weren't yeah. just trucking over Washington because they relied on their pretty decent defensive line. And I think if you have more talent on your defensive side that you could say, let's try to do more of that strategy as opposed to packing three linebackers and nine men in the box and then yeah. having Stephon Diggs have the entire world to run around and be wide open. So from that aspect, I think actually Washington did a good job early in that game. Yeah, I mean, they, they were definitely, I think, more disciplined than people anticipated, especially early but what I also felt was, even in that kind of game, grinded out, ugly, even, uh, having a guy like Diggs, having a healthy feeling, you know, ha- having Dalvin Cook, having those kinds of playmakers, even in those ugly moments, you got a guy who can break out. I mean, yeah. you're going to play games where it's decided on one touchdown in the last three minutes of the game. And I still think if you're the Vikings, they prove that, hey, look, we've got those kinds of games who even in this situation – uh, we, we can find a way to win. I thought it was a defensive showcase. Like, to me, there were plays being made. Kendricks had the big breakup uh, in, in the second half on the third down. I, I thought those are the kinds of plays. Like, look, when we think of who wins the Super Bowl, when we think about what defenses do in Super Bowls, we, we don't define them according to efficiency or, or, or per play numbers. We think about playmakers, right? Yeah, yeah. We go Eagles beat the Patriots, Brandon Graham with the strip sack, mm-hmm. Tom Brady with the early interception. Do you have playmakers on the defensive side of the ball? And I think – what we saw a lot last night was the Vikings having guys who could step up and do what had to be done, especially in the red zone. And that, to me, 
was the thing that's kind of overlooked by how ugly the game was. Yes, for but sure. But having a top five defense that no one's really talking about nationally because the offense has been so good the last four weeks, that to me is what I took away as well. Well, so that's an interesting question because I am looking at this defense as being a little bit different then because I look at them as the philosophy under Mike Zimmer has not been to take risks and try to get turnovers like, yeah. say, Chicago last year, and boy, did it work. And yeah, yeah. sometimes you will have defenses that give up a ton of yards, but they get turnovers or they play really well in the red zone. Belichick has had some of these defenses in the past. This year, Belichick just dominating. But in the past, you would look at their yards totals and be like, oh, they're like yeah. 18th in yards, but third in scoring. Like, yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. Ben, don't break. Where Zimmer's defenses have consistently been great in yards, but they're usually not super high in turnovers. And I, I don't think he has a, a super risky defense. But I think with some of the weaknesses that are starting to show up, specifically at one cornerback position, there's one. But, but even then, I don't think Harrison Smith has quite been the same level playmaker as he has been in the past. He's not as fast. And I, that's probably why. He's been great, but he hasn't been MVP great like he no. was in 2017. I wonder if more aggressive, more risks occasionally giving up big plays from time to time will start to be Mike Zimmer's strategy in the second half because the whole bend don't break. If it's anybody else other than, I think, Case Keenum and that team, they probably score two touchdowns there, and you're feeling pretty bad about yourself. And when I was just giving Judd this stat, you look at their efficiency and things like that against the pass, through eight games, it hasn't been that good. Like They're yeah. in, slightly in the bottom half of the league in quarterback rating against, and that is something that almost never happens to Mike Zimmer's defense. I think it's going to call for another Mike Zimmer adjustment to his philosophy here if they're going to still be a team that can rely on their defense when called upon. But I, I, mean, I think the latter is the, is the question. Relying on their defense or having a defense you trust enough where if you put up 21 points – 28 points, you win the game. I think that, to me, is w- what we witnessed. Because uh, offensively, at Kirk Cousins, there are a couple plays where it's like you got to get rid of the ball earlier if you're going to throw it away. Chip, sure. uh, there's a screen pass to Dalvin Cook that he drops. That could have been a big, huge play. Uh, there were a couple of other moments where you go, okay, could have been a few extra touchdowns with the Vikings as well. Oh, absolutely. I just think, to me, the Vikings in this streak have elevated to a place where you go, okay, can they beat the contenders? Can they beat... Drew Brees and the Saints when he comes back, which could be as early as this weekend, right? Can, can they beat uh, a team like the Seahawks, who have been up and down the last couple of weeks, but still a really good team? Can they score against a team like the 49ers? Uh, can you beat the Packers? Can you beat the teams that you have to beat in order to make it to the Super Bowl? Number one, you're not going to do that without a good defense. Like, you have to be a consistently good defensive unit to even be in the ballpark. And I think number two, you're going up against some of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Can you match what they do? And I think more and more the Vikings have done enough to say, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if they can beat those teams, especially in playoff situations with Kirk Cousins. But I do think they've done enough to make you go, it's possible. And they have enough balance to make you think that they have a chance, even against some of the better teams in the league. And three, four weeks ago, I was going – if you lose to the Giants, and I know people didn't expect them to lose, but if you do, someone's got to get fired on Like something dramatic has to change on Monday because you can't let that happen. And now here we are four weeks later going, they might have a shot. So that you lead perfectly into my question. That's what is, I try to do. And thank you. Yeah, That's good uh, setup, man. why we allow you to come in here and thank talk. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate it. 
Um, ESPN Radio does too, but they do. You know, what, what they do they know? <laughs> so, um, my, what I said last segment was that after the Bears' loss, uh, Judd Zolgad said, "Put your bar at just making the playoffs because this team has some major deficiencies." I hesitated on that because I've seen two and two Mike Zimmer teams not succeed. I've also seen them absolutely succeed yeah. and go to the NFC Championship. And in this case, I think after the last four games, it's not just, oh, you beat some bad teams. It's you beat the hell out of teams. Yeah. Last night, they ultimately beat the hell out of Washington. They had 200 more yards in that game, and they have a fourth down at the goal line where they decide to just run the clock out and yeah. give it back to Washington and end the game rather than scoring. There were other opportunities in the red zone where they should have scored, and maybe that's a little bit of a concern about the red zone. Kirk Cousins has never been great there, but... If we're talking about the big picture here, the numbers you put up, even against bad teams, even if you adjust for opponent, it looks great. It does. You should set the bar if you have the defensive talent to be in the top 10, even if it's not number one, and the offensive talent to be in the top 10 at the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl to put as your standard. That's the standard that they set for themselves when they signed Kirk Cousins. And just because it came short the first year, does not mean we should change that. We should say this is a franchise that has the talent, especially on the offensive side now, but Daniil Hunter's a freak again last night, yeah. uh, getting after the passer. He's been one of the best players ever yeah. before age 25 yeah. as a defensive end. And, and so you've got all this crazy talent, and the quarterback with the money and the numbers, Like you should set your standard at if this team isn't super successful in the playoffs, then this year was a failure. Yeah, I mean, the bar should never change when you invest what they invested. And let's be clear on that, Kyler. You should judge Mike Zimmer according to that bar. You should judge Kirk Cousins according to that bar because this is not a team that was in rebuild mode. This right. is not a team that was just hoping to to get back to the NFC Championship. This is a team that invested to do above and beyond. And now here we are, where I think defensively they're good. Not great, but they're one of the better teams in the league. Uh, a lot of teams would love to have this defense. Yeah, offensively, they're clicking at the right time. You got a guy in Diggs who three, four weeks ago I thought is he gonna walk away, uh, and now it looks like he's realized, okay, I got some growing up to do. But the best way to make people forget about you not showing up to work is to show up to work and stay until eight o'clock that night, uh, clock in at four the next morning, and just beat everybody uh, in the office. And that's essentially what he's doing. And Kirk Cousins, I'll say for the first time, I won't say trust, because at the end of the day, I thought he was signed to show up in big games against contenders when you need him to be a playmaker, and then you advance in the playoffs. Like that, to me, those are the kinds of games he was signed uh, to win. But I will say he looks as comfortable as he ever has, and I always question the relationship with him, Thielen, and Diggs. And it seems like there's something there. I mean, there's something that has grown even in the last three to four weeks where you go offensively, they're going to move the ball. I don't care who you are. And even if you get into an ugly situation, you can't play man on digs the way like he's going to beat you. That play is going to be made. You can if you want, but it's a bad idea. And guess what? Even if you're doing more to try to counter that with Diggs and Thielen, you give dig you give Dalvin Cook a cutback lane like he had yesterday, and that guy's gonna turn into an extra 10, 20, 30 yards. So at a minimum, this is a team that is making defensive coordinators think, what do I try to stop? Because now you are proving your balance. Now you are proving that there you can win in different 
ways. And sometimes I'm a big boxing fan, man. So like sometimes you see a, a, a guy who have this amazing record. And he just beat up nobodies. And then he sees like a real fighter across the ring and he's nothing. Uh, that could be the case here with the Minnesota Vikings. But I'd like to think that the way that they've won, they've been so dominant that they'll be able to hang with all of the good teams in the NFL. Like there's not a team right now other than the Patriots, because what they're doing defensively is just another universe. Other than the Patriots, I'd go, who beats this team by 10 points? I mean, who 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 do you go, okay, that team for sure will put a whipping on the Minnesota Vikings right now. Other than the Patriots, for me, there's not a team in this league that I would say that about. Well, especially if the game is at U.S. Bank Stadium. Yes. That, to me, is always the, the formula change. Good point. Because if you said who could beat them by 10 on the road, Different story. then I would say, well, I mean, Green Bay can. Yes. Um, New Orleans can. I would be very interested to see them match up against San Francisco at San Francisco. And that's why destroying these teams has been so important to them is you needed to beef up the record against these bad teams. Like you couldn't have the trap game. You couldn't have the meltdown game mm-hmm. and just be like, well, whatever. I mean, Kansas City, they can lose their starting quarterback. And they're like, look at this division. <laughs> exactly. We've won the division exactly. already. Exactly. Matt Moore's like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, I just, more money. Even Yeah, Matt, more money is great. <laughs> um, so now let me stick with your boxing comparison with this team. They would be the team that... Um, I, maybe they were a hot fighter coming in yeah. early in the season, and then they faced some bullies and, and got beat up um, and got knocked down, and then they got to face the easier fighters and just knock out punch. Like Mike Tyson's style with these teams have just run through them. But when they go forward here, if Mahomes is back especially, but I'm looking at, at Dallas and at Seattle, you got national TV, you got another quarterback who's real good in Russell Wilson, real, real good in Mahomes, real, real good. And these aren't just like come out, swing, knock them down, that's it for you, and yeah. then you just run over them. This would be, you're going to have to have a, a, a complete fight. It's going to have to go the whole way. There's going to have to be a lot of strategy. It's going to have to be back and forth with some of these good teams. And that's where we are going to get the better tests. I mean, I, I kind of want to play both sides of the fence of like, well, when you run through other NFL teams, those are NFL teams, yeah, are. and you should. But, I mean, they have truly landed the perfect schedule to bounce back from what happened in Chicago. The Giants are awful. The Eagles now look like a joke after being run out of mm-hmm. Dallas last week. And then this Washington team, they did a couple of nice things, but they just don't have the talent. They fired their coach already this year. They've got Case Keenum starting yeah. for them. <laughs> and even then, they you know kept it close at times. But, I mean, these teams are just not very good. So we are going to learn a lot more. I just think when you go 6-2 and two to start the season... And both of the games that you lost, you could have won. If Cousins doesn't throw a late-game pick and then tell me you can't get 17 at Soldier Field, you should be able to, that we should put the bar up at get not just get in the playoffs, but make noise in the playoffs, or you came up short. And your point is exactly right, that Case Keenum in 2017 had lots of easy games against bad teams that he ran through. Mm -hmm. Your whole message as the Vikings was, yeah, but we need a quarterback who could beat the good teams. And so far... How has Kirk Cousins performed against the legit teams over the last two years? One good game in Philly last year, and Philly was like, what, 9-7? and seven? Yeah. Aside from that, it's been a lot of no-shows. And then you just get this stretch of four games where it's none of the good competition. So we're going to find out a lot more as we go forward. But I think the fighting example is a really good one of like, 
it, it also builds it up too with a yeah. great fight with two good fighters. Yeah. And when they face some of these teams, I think that's the time where you're going to be off your couch and close to the TV. <laughs> um, not so much on Thursday night football. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. I mean, uh, uh, in the 1970s, after Muhammad Ali knocks out George Foreman in the rumble in the jungle, George Foreman is like down, defeated, depressed. He wants to quit fighting. So his promoter arranges this spectacle where he fights six guys in the same night, all guys who are lesser fighters, knocks them all out, and George Foreman gets some confidence back, right? That can go one of two ways because it's good if you're reminded of who you could be. It's bad if you're going, oh, man, here I am facing another good team, and I'm remembering how bad I was against those teams. So that to me is I will never – go all in on Kirk Cousins even after watching what I've seen over the last four games because the bar has been what you just pointed out, Collar. Can you beat the good teams? Aaron Rodgers is not measured against beating the Giants and the Redskins. Right, right. Like like our good, great quarterbacks are not measured that way. So let's not measure Kirk Cousins that way. Let's say this has been a great run. Uh, certainly they look like a playoff team. Things should get crazy. And maybe you're talking about playing a game at home. But now it goes, you got the Chiefs coming. You're going to get the Packers again. Can you beat these good teams and prove that you are worthy of what you were paid and that this is a team that we should say, okay, you have a chance? Because if you don't have a chance, if suddenly all of a sudden he's he's struggling again against good teams, it's still a failure to me. It's still a thing where we look at it and go, this wasn't worth it. This is going to be the definition and how we view the Mike Zimmer era. Before we take a break, let me ask you this. Is it fair to only grade Kirk Cousins on how far this team goes? Um, it, it, I think football has too many layers to, to do that, you know. But I will say this. Um, in close, all the games are close in the NFL for the most part, right? I will judge him against the way he plays against those teams that you're just not going to walk over. That still remains the bar, and that is an indirect, that's a direct bearing on how far they go. So, yeah, actually, I'm not in favor of saying how many games you win. That's the quarterback you are. That's unfair. But I do think it's something where we go, if he can't beat good teams, if he can't perform against those games, I'm going to judge him. All right. Uh, when we come back, I have to tell you about something I saw on Twitter about Tom Brady that I think is up your alley of enjoyment. Uh, and we will continue to discuss, including on, on the defensive side, and I have to ask you what you think the Vikings should do about Xavier Rhodes. Like, is, is there any case to be made? Maybe I'll try it and you can tell me if you believe it, um, that Rhodes should stay in as the starter. That will be discussed when we come back. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Myron Metcalf, here on Purple Daily. All right, welcome back on Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Myron Metcalf, as we do every Friday. Sometimes it's hour one, sometimes it's hour two. Just kind of, you know, when you have a diva co-host, you just kind of work around them. Um, so, Myron, uh, I want you to tell me if this is funny, cool, or super phony and cheesy. All right. Okay. Uh, Mohamed Sanu, who was traded to the New England Patriots, told the assembled media in New England today that uh, Tom Brady sent him a DM and said that he could have number 12 if he wanted it. Oh, stop <laughs> it. You can't make looks on your face on the radio, Myron, but I uh, wish people saw that. Just stop, man. 
That, was he filming it for his next documentary as he said it? Like, <laughs> right? come on, man. Why, why even say something like that? Look, the bigger thing is, like, does Muhammad Sanu think it's real? You know, here's a guy who's probably going to say all the company lines, like, oh, probably was genuine about it. I wish we'd have taken him up on it, though, honestly. Entirely I, agree. <laughs> Call him on To watch like, the city of Boston I explode. Accept. 12 is very important to me. Yeah, thanks, Tom. That's really selfless of you. Yeah. Like, would Tom be like, oh, okay, yeah. I guess I'll be 17 now? Exactly. No. Exactly. Right? No way. And is it Muhammad Sanu is coming, or is it Jerry Rice in his prime oh, right, coming? Right. Like, who, who are we talking about here, people? Now, if he had actually done it, that yeah. would have been kind of amazing. If he had yeah. just said, look, in, in, in fact, I would have gone this far to say, <laughs> That is incredible that Brady is showing. Like he doesn't care about any of this except yeah. rings. Like imagine the stories though if they change <laughs> to number eighteen or something. I guess you can't use eighteen. Yeah, you can't use nineteen. No. Uh, would John Freeze be uh, upset at seventeen? Maybe potentially. Uh, there's no great number seventeen, right? Not that I can think of. No. Uh, maybe maybe um, Steve DeBerg was seventeen. Steve, I think he was good. Yeah, Steve DeBerg was good. Uh, so anyway, that's sort of funny. It's like, do you ever wonder <laughs> if if Kirk Cousins did all disgusting. the disgusting? Yeah, it's just Ugh. right. There's nothing genuine. He's about just doing that so much all. to try to prove to us how much he doesn't need any of this. Like all those people were like, I don't need any of this. Like LeBron made some comment about that one time about, you know, my life's good. I can leave all this behind. You guys can't. You're obsessed. Right. Which is why you're great. You know, right. like, come you ever, on. You ever think of like the weird stuff Kirk Cousins did, if Tom Brady did the same things, how everyone would fawn over it endlessly. Like oh. with Kirk, it's like, this guy's weird, yo. And, you know, but, but with Brady, they'd be like, oh, he has death rocks outside of his house? That's amazing. That shows what a champion he is. He's Champions different. think about death all the time. You know, just like. He's, he's different. Yes. Like that's, but that's the, I mean, being one of the greatest of all time, you get to have those quirks, you, you know. Yep. Like, like Jerry Rice was a big diva. Like, known for being. Not a nice guy to deal with, and people are like, "Oh, he's just determined." Yeah, oh, yeah, maybe, that's right. Or yep. maybe he's a jerk. Yeah, I don't know. Write the narrative you know? later. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. Just kind of form it to whatever works for <laughs> success. Uh, that that is funny. So, no, uh, Muhammad Sanu will not be taking. Oh my goodness, Tom he should have taken him up number. on it. That would have been great. Goodness. Brady's changing. You can't do thirteen because that's Marino. <sighs> uh, Fourteen, maybe Frank Reich. Take it. We could do, now we take twelve. Is what you should do. You should go. What if he did number one? Like just, I'm going to be the first quarterback <laughs> ever who's good. <laughs> yeah. with, well, Cam is number one, so yeah. you know, all right. But number one, I like, like it. You have to have a lot of swagger to be number one and make it look good. Like yeah. Cam, that's a punter number, and that's why people don't do it. I mean, who's really what great play? I mean, MJ went 45 for like. Was it even that full season? I think it was the full 94. That's a backup power forward 95. number, though. Yeah. yeah, and then went back to 23. And got fined for it, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you, yeah. Yep. Anyway, so. Best, best, what is it? 12 might be the best quarterback number, though, right? It's a great number. Like, I mean, maybe this is my bias with Jim Kelly growing up watching him, Man. but 12 is up there for yeah. the elite quarterback number. And Jim is one of the four Jim is one went away from being viewed completely. Oh yeah, you know, just differently. Yep. Uh, that's the difference. That's the thing with Super Bowls. Like you, you asked about how we define Kirk Cousins, and we'll define him as far as this team goes. History will, because no one really cares about. Well, there are other things happening with the team. You can't judge it on wins and losses. He's not a pitcher, but 
I mean, 20 years from now, that's all we talk about quarterbacks. There are the guys who won Super Bowls, and there's everybody else. And you know what's funny is there are just so many quarterbacks who, at the time, you didn't really consider that great, but had a lot of yardage. And if you just don't have anything else to go along with your case outside of yardage, you are never put in that upper echelon. And I'll give you an example of that is Warren Moon. Like, mm-hmm. what an incredible story, for one, um, you know, coming from the CFL and USFL. And he has almost 50,000 passing yards. Matt Stafford is another guy who... Yep. Right now, if you ask everybody, like, what's Matt Stafford's legacy? Like, I don't know. Like, he was, he was a guy. Yeah, he was around. Yeah. 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 He made a lot of money, and that's it. Matt Ryan didn't win the Super Bowl. Almost 50,000 passing yards right now. Um, how about um, Drew Bledsoe? Like, Drew yep. Bledsoe was a good quarterback for his time, but couldn't win. And Bledsoe, I think, I want to say, if you were going to make a historical comparison to Kirk Cousins, I want to go Drew Bledsoe. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No Good. real, no real mobility. Nope. which hurt him. Uh, questionable pocket presence. Got sacked a lot. Great arm. Really could make arm. any throw. When he had a great team around him, he could win ten, eleven games mm-hmm. and got them to the Super Bowl. But there was always this element of like nervousness in the pocket or in big games and things like that. And always it was like, yeah, he puts up numbers, but you know, he's just yeah. he's just kind of Drew Bledsoe. You never thought he could be the best or like one of those guys. I mean that. That is a great comparison. Like the reverse of all that is Troy Aikman, who isn't as good of, good as a lot of those guys you mentioned, but he had the rings. So you get the rings, and that changes how people view you. And I think this class of quarterbacks, like the, the quarterbacks that you have to face, I think this year to get to the Super Bowl, which could be Patrick Mahomes, obviously Brady in the AFC, Deshaun Watson. I mean, Jacoby Brissett threw for, what, 400 yards or something last mm-hmm. weekend. And then the NFC, Russell Wilson playing some of the best football we have seen in a long time. Drew Brees coming back. Like, there are all these teams where you go, okay, what separates them in a league where everybody's pretty close? Right. Quarterback play. I mean, like, that's the thing you point to and go, oh, that's the difference. Like, you don't have to like Lamar Jackson, but the fact that he is one of the most productive players in the league right now, that's why the Ravens are who they are right now. So that's that's how I view Kirk Cousins in terms of – if you don't have one of those guys, it's hard to imagine you moving past the first round. Right. It certainly seems impossible to imagine you get into the NFC Championship game. And it's the difference, and this is where I always want to fight people on Trey Aikman, especially because I saw him as a child uh, demolish all sports dreams several times yeah. against the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> is that he did not put up crazy numbers. Mm-mm. But whenever they needed him to be a great quarterback, he was a great quarterback. He wasn't just like good in those yeah. playoff runs and, and runs to the Super Bowl. He was unreal. Like Imagine this is 1992, and the average quarterback rating in the league is like 79 or something. I mean, mm-hmm. you just have so much difficult circumstances. Yeah. Quarterbacks could just be murdered. You could just <laughs> yeah. Gra- yeah. grab them and throw Joe them. And if he yeah. dies, he dies yeah. sort of thing. And uh, in the playoffs and Super Bowl, Troy Aikman had eight touchdowns, zero picks, nine yards per attempt, 126 quarterback rating in the playoffs. And then people will be like, he wasn't that good. Like, really? Looked pretty good to me. And a lot of times throughout his career, he was efficient. He didn't get yes. sacked much, which is not just offensive line, as we see from Kirk Cousins, that Sometimes quarterbacks create their own sacks, didn't get sacked, completed high percentages, and all those touchdowns, they went to Emmitt Smith. Like He threw 15 touchdowns in a year, right, but Emmitt scored like 15 more. (laughs) 
Yeah. It just always irritates me. On, and I think we've gotten way better, Myron, at, at analyzing quarterbacks way beyond just what their box score stats are. Yeah, and I think you use the word. Like, efficient, though, isn't excellent always, right? And I think that, to me, is the, the difference because um, you can elevate your game, you can be consistent. But just some of the throws, the throw from Russell Wilson to, to Lockett, right, that Thursday night game a couple weeks ago, there just aren't many guys in the league who could make that throw. Yep. But then I see Cousins make that throw to Diggs uh, in double coverage. Safety's coming over the top and just puts it, drops right in the basket. And I go, that's a guy who is capable of making plays like that, yep. you know? Can he do it consistently, though? And I think that becomes the question. I feel like if you are a great quarterback, we don't remember all your best plays because you've just had too many of them. Yes, yeah. Whereas with a, an Eli Manning and guys like that who've been you know good but not great, we can point to all these great moments. Kirk Cousins, same way. We can point to all of his best moments in the last year and a half, and I don't think that's a good thing. I think that's going, that isn't the norm. That's not He's not consistent enough at doing that. But if he gets to that point, that elevates him. So here would be one of my things about you know Cousins and – whether he can be at that level to win and do the things it takes to win. Because he has, I mean, now his advanced statistics are really good through the first half of the season, as you might expect. The clean pocket passing and things like that um, is... The environment that is created for Kirk Cousins to win, is it sustainable against good teams and in the playoffs? And this would be a very reasonable comparison to look at Jared Goff and say, you know... It really wasn't, and they shouldn't have been in the Super Bowl, but no. thank you, referees. Mm-hmm. And Drew Brees was more dynamic in that game, even though he wasn't at his best, and should have won and should have gone to the Super Bowl and maybe would have beaten the Patriots or had mm-hmm. a much better chance. But the Patriots, when Jared Goff got there, they knew all of his weaknesses, just as they did against Kirk Cousins last year, and they took advantage of all of those weaknesses from Jared Goff. And one of the issues is the guy needs a clean pocket. He needs time to throw. He cannot pull the ball down and run. And that's why it's funny when it's like, you know, criticizing Omar Jackson. It's like, oh, yeah, what a shame. He could pull the ball down and gain 30 yards on third down. Like, that must be terrible. I don't know how he does it. And and you know what's weird is no one ever criticized Steve Young for doing that. No, they didn't. It's a strange strange coincidence. Two different players. Must have been a coincidence. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, and that's the thing right there with, with Cousins where even against Washington, when he has these great stats and he and he has an excellent, excellent game and makes big time throws and everything else, there's still this like gets into the red zone, a little pressure, and whoop, he sacked. Yeah. And we don't see the Kirk Cousins breaks a tackle. Like even saying it is funny. Like he bounced off that one guy. <laughs> but like that dynamic element of it, even as good as he is at throwing the football is, I think, the shortcoming when it comes to playing against good teams. Yeah, and I think that will be the thing we will continue to focus on it until there's no reason to, until we're convinced. And, and we're just not at that point. And the good thing for Kirk, because I do think Kirk Cousins is a guy who certainly hears the noise, who certainly doesn't want to leave here. Oh, no, he's guy. never heard anything, Myron. Exactly. He, yeah. he just lives in a cave. Yeah, no idea, right? Apologizes to his receiver on the air, but no, that was just his own thing. At the end of the day, I think he doesn't want to leave here as a guy who didn't help a team that had been to the NFC title game get better. Like, I don't think he wants to be known as the guy who goes three years and somehow they got worse. And, and no matter how that's viewed, no matter what the reality is, he knows 
his name would be attached to a decline. Right. But he's got a stretch coming here where you go, if that's really who you want to be, the dude who elevated this team, here's your chance. Yep. Because you're about to play a bunch of teams that are legit playoff teams, uh, are teams that you could see again, Mm -hmm. and and you're going up against some legit quarterbacks who, even if your defense can keep it close going into the fourth quarter, you're going to have to be great. Like, you're going to have to be a guy who makes those passes, Stephon Diggs, that you made last night. You got to do that consistently in that moment. And that's the thing where I still go, do I trust Kirk? I just have to see it. Did you see um, the meme where someone said, why Kirk great till he's got to be great? It's too good. Uh, and, it's perfect. And, Tilly has to be great, will be coming. And and that's on the way. Uh, Let me uh, switch gears with you and try to make this case. And you tell me how ridiculous I sound. Give me like a ridiculous rating. Xavier Rhodes in the past has been a very, very good player, if not one of the elite shutdown corners in the entire NFL. A half of season of football is not necessarily a big enough sample size to say that someone is washed or someone is not good anymore. And Mike Zimmer is one of the schematic minds of the last decade, best schematic minds on defense, so he should be able to find ways to help Xavier Rhodes improve. Do I sound silly in trying to make this case for Mike Zimmer to keep Xavier Rhodes on the field as opposed to playing Mike Hughes more? It sounds silly to me um, because this isn't week three. This is this is halfway through the season. Uh, I would have agreed with you four or five weeks ago, but now you're at the point where playing him is not only to your detriment. I mean, Terry Lawrence good, but my goodness. I mean, he looked like a guy who didn't understand the basic elements uh, of playing that position in the NFL. And I just don't think you can risk it. I think this is a good Vikings defense. Uh, I think they have shown that they've got some guys who can make plays, but they're not good enough to where you play a good team and they don't exploit that. And, And exploit that in a way where they get one, two touchdowns off it, whether that's directly or that's just the field position they'll be in because he's given up big plays. I think... You have to get him off the field. I think they're at that point. I think last night was enough. Like I don't know how much we have to see. The offense is coming together. Um, you've got a defense that has been good against mediocre teams, but now the 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 top dogs are coming. Um, you do that to Mahomes. You give that to some of these other guys. They're going to see Aaron Rodgers who had a perfect passer rating Sunday. You show that to those guys, and that's a touchdown or two. And you just can't afford that. So for me, uh, you got to get Xavier Rose off the field. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. I, tr- I tried, but my case yeah. wasn't very strong. Um, it would have been thrown out on Law and Order. Yes. They would have yes. said, I'm sorry, Mr. Yes. McCoy, you just don't have a case. Yeah. And uh, then I would have tried to manipulate the law after that, but that's where it changes. Uh, and Mike Zimmer will do that. He'll try to manipulate his defense. But here's the issue that I have, Myron, is if you – try to cover up for one player. Trey Waynes is not good enough on the other side. Not. They attack Trey Waynes the same way they do with Xavier Rhodes, and his numbers for his career are of an average cornerback, not a shutdown corner. And there's a domino effect that's pretty significant to Harrison Smith not having quite the same burst as he did a couple of years ago to go along with Xavier Rhodes 
having to be covered up for as opposed to an island corner. Like when you, when you can island a guy, I mean, that yeah. is just a game changer. You're shutting down the best player on the other side. Like, I think, I think this is why the Patriots defense is so good aside from competition, which hasn't been marvelous. No, but Stefan Gilmore is making their defense and Bill Belichick. Look at who he always has at corner. I mean, it goes back to Ty Law, and then he's got a keep to leave. Legit talents. Right. Yes. Guys who are the elite talents at the position. Most of the time, Terrell Revis, he goes out and gets. And then now with Stephon Gilmore, who he paid a ton of money and has lived up to that hype. If you don't have that guy, I think you can't be a number one defense in the league. I think it changes everything schematically. uh, Steve Smith, the the great receiver I heard say uh, today, he was recounting some of his trials against good cornerbacks. And he said, you know, one guy, one time a guy was talking trash to him and he said, Hey, go ask your defensive coordinator. If you're allowed to cover me alone. Right. <laughs> like receivers. Yeah, know. that's great. Like they know who they can cook. Like they know who they can torch. And right now, if you're an opposing team, a good team, and you're looking at the Vikings going, man, Dalvin cook, you can't give him room. Uh, they're doing this without feeling he's going to get healthy. Thielen and Diggs, that's just a potent combination that most teams can't handle. Uh, defensively, they're good. But if you're going to the game film, you're going, oh, we're going to exploit those corners. Yep. yep. And that, to me, is what you're saying. And if you've got uh, – you know they can't cover your elite receiver one-on-one. And you know that's going to open up areas around the field. And I think that, to me, is going to be the thing against good quarterbacks where you go – Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes, they're going to exploit that. And that's where I say it's not just Rhodes is bad. Uh, Waynes hasn't been great. But even if you get slightly better at that position, um, that matters. But like the way they looked, that was the only glaring weakness where I was like, oh, man, you just can't play them. I don't see another solution. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, a couple games that we're going to be watching on Sunday when I get to actually watch the rest of the football. That'll be fun. Uh, when we return, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Myron Metcalf, here on Purple Daily. All right, final segment of the week, and uh, instead of giving our predictions for the Vikings and things that we do in the final segment, usually uh, we get to just talk about this weekend of football, which I will be watching and enjoying, Myron. It's nice. It's you know what it's um I've changed the way I watch football so I watch a lot of the Red Zone channel to try to see as much of it I I have two TVs so I'll have I'll have the Vikings on one and I'll have the Red Zone channel on another one but it, it is fun to focus on other teams and see how people are playing and I think the thing that you you've I mean you see it because you study the game we obviously are right here we've watched the the Vikings progress. But then you look around the league and like a lot of things have changed. That Bears team that beat the Vikings, you're like, I don't know what they are with Mitch Trubisky, and I don't know that he's going to be around. You know, they they have a problem at quarterback. Um, you see the Packers, and you're like, they were good when when the Vikings played them. Now they look like they're evolving even into more of a monster, yep. all without Devonte Adams. So who will come back? So it's interesting to watch how the league has changed. From that point when we thought, oh, man, the Vikings are in trouble. Because there are a lot of teams that have gone north. Some other ones have gone south. Well, the the best game is actually on Monday night between Pittsburgh and Miami. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, we'll, exactly. 
We'll spend most oh. of the two hours on Monday oh. talking about Pittsburgh, Miami. Uh, maybe Mason Rudolph is back. Oh, I guess Fitzmagic. Uh, all right, that's uh, terrible. You know this this slate does not have uh, that many great games, which is just my luck, of course. And and the, by the way, to your point about red zone, um, there was one game the Vikings were playing three twenty five, and I was in the press box in must have been Chicago watching yeah. Red Zone Channel. I was like, you guys all know about this. This is great. <laughs> Great! It was like you know, it was uh, like somebody who had been riding trains, yeah. discovering the automobile for like, the first time. Why you can take yourself? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but to, to the game that I I, I want to see here, there's two of them, and both of them are at the same time. Thank you, NFL. Carolina at San Francisco, Cleveland at New England. If Cleveland is going to be any sort of team and not just kind of a laughing stock this year and the team that we make fun of offseason hype for, yeah. they have to beat New England, I think, or at least like really play with them. But if they don't beat them, they fall so far behind in the race that they might be almost out of it anyway. Cleveland has a chance to go to New England and basically save their season. And if Baker doesn't put some money in his mouth, it's going to quickly get ugly. It's going to get like a Manziel situation where the guy becomes kind of a laughing stock because all he does is talk and doesn't actually like play good at football. Yeah, if I if I had uh, last draft, the 2018 draft, going into that, if I told you at this point Lamar Jackson would look like by far – the best quarterback in his class, you would have said what at this point? I would have said I'm not surprised, but you're also talking to Lamar Jackson fan club over here. Um, (laughs) I ranted and raved like a crazy person during that draft at the coverage of Lamar and people like the wide receiver. Bill Polian, yeah, Yeah. Bill Polian asking to be a wide receiver. I mean, because I, I loved that draft class and watched a ton of it. And when Lamar Jackson was going through progressions and making throws, it's like, wait, they say this guy can't throw? Yeah. He can throw a football. 100%. Uh, not the best I've ever seen throw it. But you know what? Um, old takes exposed. I thought Josh Rosen would be a top quarterback coming out. And you know what? If he had Cliff Kingsbury as his coach, maybe, maybe. he would have. If he wasn't in Miami, if his coach hadn't been Steve Wilkes last year, Yeah, uh, I still think that. It might be one of those like Vinny Testaverde things where the guy, when he's 28, is all of a sudden a good quarterback <laughs> for somebody. But it really shows you how much circumstances matter. With Baker, I was always very scared. Very scared of the personality. It's just, do you ever see anyone else act like that in the NFL at that position? There's a reason for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, Baker bit off a lot, you know, and we'll see if he can chew it. I think this feels to me a bit like last year in the Vikings and that, there was this major offseason investment by the Browns to get better after showing promise the year before. Baker looked like a guy who was only going to improve, what, 27 touchdowns, tied Peyton Manning and another quarterback, I believe, for the rookie uh, record. And, and he was a guy that you thought could lead this team into the future. You're bringing OBJ. Um, you know, you, you get all of these pieces on defense. And it's just not coming together because Baker hasn't been great. Now he's got sacked a lot. They got some offensive line problems, but to your point earlier, he's not being a great decision maker. Yep. And now you got one diva at quarterback and maybe the biggest diva in the league playing wide receiver. At some point that will explode because Odell didn't come here to lose. Right. And if in the moment that guy feels like he's not winning because of how his quarterback is performing, that's when everything's going to go crazy, man. So it's a it's a huge moment. But as much as I think they could save their season, it could also be the end of their season where they get blown up by 
21, yep. 28, and you're just like, fire everybody because right. this is crazy. And a little bit weird to me still, always was, that they hired Freddie Kitchens basically like, oh, he's Baker's buddy. <laughs> yeah. Like, they get along. Like, we like him. Wait, do you really want someone who just like gets along with Baker or do you want yeah. someone who's in command? Because yeah. that's a situation where it hasn't looked like anyone's in command. Um, the other game, which is kind of good for the Vikings, no matter which way it goes, Carolina at San Francisco. If Carolina loses that game, they fall behind the Vikings in the standings. That's good for Minnesota. If San Francisco does, then they slip back to the same area as Seattle, and you're always looking for those teams who you might be fighting wildcard with if the Vikings and Green Bay both keep going the same direction. Um, but I, I really want to see what Kyle Allen does mm-hmm. going across East Coast to West Coast playing a defense that's now really good. And San Francisco got the hideous win against Washington. You throw that one out. But they're kind of becoming that hot team that's getting a lot of attention. So can they handle that against, by the way, a defense in Carolina, which I have a lot of respect for. I think they have a lot of talent on defense. Jimmy Garoppolo is in the Kirk Cousins bin of, like, people think you're pretty good, but you've never proven that you're really good. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see how they perform with some pressure on and some expectations now that are being set for the 49ers. I mean, 49ers feel 2017-ish Vikings in a way in that um, that defense is really good. Like, like if the Patriots weren't playing the way they've been on defense, man, we'd be talking a lot more about Nick Bosa in San Francisco and what they've been able to do defensively. I mean, they just punched Cleveland in the mouth uh, on Monday Night Football. But I have the same questions I have about the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, that defense is really good. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. There's one. There's a reason we keep bringing up Brad Johnson and Trent Dilfer. Right. Because yeah. it doesn't happen right. in the league. Yep. So you're not going to be able to just manage a game even because you have a great defense. Can Jimmy G step up? and be a guy that leads him against another good defense. I think it's a big test for him. Kyle Allen is playing one of the better defense defense in the league, maybe number two only to the Patriots. It's a huge moment for him because Cam Newton is getting healthier. Um, you and they got game, a decision you might to win the job. Well, you got a decision to make. And there are a lot of people who are debating if Cam is healthy, you got to play him. I don't know how that works. I mean, it's, it's honestly a weird situation because we haven't had a deal where you got a guy who – is winning to this degree um, after replacing a, a great quarterback when healthy, and now you got a weird, just called a weird dynamic. But I could also see him, man, playing San Fran and just getting destroyed, and everyone going, "Oh, you got to bring Cam back," just because of the way people are, right? Right. Yeah, and uh, that's going to be a really tough, tough decision for them. But yeah. if they win that game, we have to consider them as a legit NFC contender. I think I agree. Uh, I agree. if they win. So, all right. Myron, always great. We will catch up with you again next Friday. Got to hand the ball off down to Mackie and Judd with Rami. So we will catch you on Monday here on Purple Daily. Sounds good.